On March 16, 2000, two sheriff's deputies were shot in Atlanta. Jamil Alamine, a Muslim leader and former black power activist, was convicted. But the evidence was shaky, and the whole truth didn't come out during the trial. My name is Mosi Secret, and when I started investigating this case in my hometown, I uncovered a dark truth about America. From Tinderfoot TV, Campside Media, and iHeart Podcasts, Radical is available now. Listen to the new podcast, Radical, for free on the iHeart Radio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Los Angeles police officers talked among themselves outside Crenshaw Christian Center as outgoing police chief Willie Williams and two police commission members slipped into a side door. And traffic cop Deshaun Horton wonders out loud what really happened to his friend, 31-year-old Kevin Gaines, a six-year cop who died by the bullet of another cop, Frank Liga, who claims Gaines drew a gun at a traffic stop last week. I'd like to know the whole thing, what happened, just like you would and anybody else would. What happened? Can't ask for any more than that. But if only for a few hours, mourners wanted to fondly recall the Army veteran and console the man's estranged wife, Georgia Renee, and two small daughters. I've known him since he was a kid. Him and my kids came up together. From what I gathered, he, he's a good officer. I trained him. He seemed like a good probationer, you know, for the most part. He seemed like a good uh, candidate to become a police officer. Behind the tears, though, there is anger and suspicion. The officer's family is not satisfied with how the LAPD handled the initial investigation. They dispute suggestions that Gaines was a hothead whose career was in doubt. Officer Gaines' family is counting on some high-powered legal help from an attorney who has faced off before with the LAPD. Johnny Cochran assistant Sean Chapman says a second autopsy reveals new information on how the man died. That there do appear to be inconsistencies in the physical evidence and the statements that have been given by the Los Angeles Police Department. And she says there are questions about Detective Liga. A, a case in which he testified um, very recently and apparently used racial slurs against African-American defendant. What family members are most pleased about is the show of uniforms at Gaines' funeral, even though top brass refused a full honors ceremony for Gaines, who was declared off-duty when killed. Gaines is gone, but family members say they will speak for him. In Inglewood, Walter Richards, Channel 5 News at 10. With how much that was reported on the case of Frank Liga, one thing that surprised me while I was talking to him is that post-shooting, Frank Liga went on to work at the LAPD for 14 years. He was transferred to elite units inside the department. And while there were internal and external entities that could have charged him with a crime, or something could have happened with the powers that be inside the LAPD brass, Frank Liga's shooting, no matter who looked at it, decided it was a good shoot in police parlance. The noise, the media, and the civil process is what dominated the headlines in the LA Times and other media outlets. The famous and at times blustery Johnny Cochran smelled blood in the water with a civil suit. And let's be real, suing police departments is big, big business. Between Cochran and Carl Douglas, his protege, they played the game 
of public opinion and spin at the highest level. It's their job. While police departments have to play by some form of a rule book, civil attorneys, on the other hand, play by the only rule that matters. And that is money, money, money. So that, that went on for three months. It wasn't a year, it was three months. And uh, so they took me to three shooting boards in the same shooting, which has never been done before or after. So you're now, for lack of a better word, riding a desk. They got you riding yeah. a desk. And is there a chance you're thinking, all right, maybe this blows over. Maybe somebody can say, hey, this was a good shoot. The guy got threatened. This is self-defense. This all goes away. What is the process? So you're riding a desk, and what is the next step in this process that has to happen? Wait. Have to wait. Within within a few days, Gaines' wife hires Johnny Cochran. And Johnny Cochran does to me what he did to Gaines, or to what he did to Mark Furman. Everything he did to Furman, he did to me. Uh, only Cochran was going to make Carl Douglas the case agent. This was going to be Carl Douglas' breakout civil rights violation lawsuit. Carl Douglas was running the show. They lost money on this case. But I had nothing to do but wait. Couldn't do anything. Um, and it went on and on and on and on. And first shooting board I went, they took it off. Second shooting board I went, they took it off. For the layperson, a police shooting board is almost like a mini trial that happens inside a police department. You're judged by your peers as the jury. But for many years, these shooting boards and what are called board of rights hearings took on epic status inside the walls of Parker Center. There's so much corruption, so many fucked up things going on that the LAPD looked like it spent more time creating these trials than they did doing real police work. The thing with these shooting boards is they also could be controlled by Bernard Parks or whoever is the chief of police. He could message to anyone and everyone what the outcome he needed or wanted. People gotta pay bills, cops are no different. And a lot of times, your mortgage is more important than your morality. Oh, tell me for people who don't know two things. One, Gaines's wife hires Johnny Cochran and Carl Douglas, and they start a campaign through the media of painting you as a racist immediately. So that so immediately. now Cochran, Gaines's wife. And Carl Douglas are now attacking you in the media and you have to go in front of what is called a shooting board. Explain to the people who don't know what a shooting board is and what's well, going to happen. There's steps before that. Before that happens, robbery homicide has to complete an investigation, an officer-involved shooting investigation, which is heavily detailed. That took a lot of time. Um... And from there, it goes to the DA's office, and the DA's office has to clear it. Well, Garcetti, not Eric Garcetti, uh, Gil Garcetti, Eric's father was the DA at the time, he uh, didn't want to clear it because 
it was highly publicized, and he was afraid that something might turn up that would make him look bad, so he pushed it off as far as he could. Um, the first shooting board consists of command staff officers and civilians, and Robert Homicide, who conducted the investigation, the detectives that did the investigation, go before the board and act as my advocate. I sit there and keep my mouth shut and just sit there and wait for their determination. And Robbie Homicide goes through the case step by step through the investigation and they determine whether they believe it was in policy or whatever happened. They lay that out. Um, in this case, they took me to three of them. The first one they didn't do. They, they took it off calendar. Um, and I've got, I've got notes which uh, I haven't told anybody, but I've got, I've, I've kept record, I kept a log for 26 years. I got almost, four, I got 360 or 370 pages of facts, dates, names, facts, and everything that happened. So I'm going off in my memory right now. I'd have to refresh my memory with this log. Who was on the board? But a couple of the command officers, I think it was uh, Willie Pinnell. He didn't want, he didn't want to be on the board. Another, another, uh, another black commander didn't want to be on the board. I'd have to get you those names. They were, they were afraid that they again, like, like when, like Garcetti didn't want to make a decision because in case something came out in my background, he didn't want to look bad. These guys didn't want to do the same thing. These black officers or command officers didn't want to support me in case something happened, and they looked, they'd look bad in it, so they pushed it off. Um, so I have a question. Board, the the robbery homicide investigation of the sh of the shooting. Russell Poole was a part of that investigation? Yes. Yeah. And what did what was robbery homicide's conclusion of the shooting? What was their findings when they took those findings to Garcetti? That I acted in policy in accordance with the with the policies of LAPD and the laws at all steps, every one of them. Right from from contact to drive it away to shoot them. Everything was was in. Cochran accused me of being out of control. I fired a controlled pair and I can it's documented in one point eight seconds. Cause after the first shooting board, Cochran Cochran's theory was that I was lying and I actually got out of the car and executed them because it was geometrically impossible for me to be able to shoot him from where I said I was. Because my, my car was so much lower than the than the Montero, it was geometrically impossible for you to get the angle to shoot him where I said I was. That was after the second board. Um, the first board, they just took off calendar. The second board, Cochran had this this opinion that I'm lying, that everybody is lying that I got out of the car. <laughs> so um, in between that, in, in, in between all that happened, while the investor was going on, Russ Poole, took it upon himself, you know, on a, after watch, or close to end of watch, he was driving home. He drove back to the crime scene, to the shooting scene at the gas station. Russ goes in there and is walking through, looking around. He walked to the back to where the chippy car were, where the CHP cars were, where the CHP angle was, looking where the truck was, where I was. He just did a walk through in his mind. He goes in at the substation, or the, the gas station itself, and there's a clerk sitting behind the door, and underneath the, the table... Is a bank of television monitors watching the cameras, and they're all working. So Russ says, "Where's the camera to this? To this? Uh, where's the video from Tuesday night? This one, I think was 
Wednesday or Thursday, like the next day or the day after. And the guy told him that they, the, the owner sold it to Cochran. And they're waiting for Cochran to come pick it up. And, and Russ basically threatened the guy. He says, look, he says, I'm telling you, he says, he goes, either you give me that tape or I'm going to shut this place down. I'm going to take the tape and you to jail. And the guy, just an employee making $3, whatever he's making in an hour, watches the gas station, runs back, gets the tape, gives it to Russ. Russ takes it down. The next day, Russ calls me. How I know this is Russ called me the next day. He goes, Frank, he says, he goes, guess what? He says, everything you said is true. I said, well, no kidding. What are you talking about? I said, how do you, what are you talking about? He goes, I got the tape. I said, what tape? The tape from the gas station. <clears throat> I said, I thought there wasn't a tape from the gas station. They lied to us. He says, the, the owner sold it to Cochran and they were waiting for Cochran to pick it up. He goes, it shows everything you said. He says, it shows you driving down, driving southbound in the number two lane. He says, within, within a minute, you see this SUV weaving through traffic going through you go out of you go out of range out of the camera range then the SUV goes out of the camera range and it had audio and you hear bang bang he says and they broke down the audio because like I said I shot I, I bridged the gap for about four feet and I shot over my shoulder backwards and the first round was angled down this show is sponsored by BetterHelp dossier listeners I know speaking for myself at times, you need someone to discuss problems, obstacles, or everyday struggles that beat us up. I know we all want to be better humans. With the work I do in true crime, better help has been a source of guidance, advice, and healthy self-help. Yes, I've used the service. And why not? If you aren't sure whether therapy is something you want to explore, why not give better help a shot? It's entirely online. You don't have to wait weeks to get a doctor's appointment, which I deal with all the time. You fill out a brief questionnaire and BetterHelp matches you with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time. So visit BetterHelp.com dossier today to get 10% off your first month. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, so life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn can be in your hands today with Earn In. Earn In is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Just download the Earn In app and verify your paycheck. Then access up to $100 a day as you work, and leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So maybe you need to get your kids something special, or you and the wife need a scintillating night out, every once in a while at least. So download Earn In Today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, type in 
The Dossier Under Podcast. Earn In is a financial technology company, not a bank. Subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com forward slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. So the first round went through the center of his door into a gym bag on the front seat. The glass I saw was the window was down, rolled down, and when the bullet went through the door, it shattered the glass, and I saw the glass fragments bubble up through the window, through, through the rubber. That's what I saw. And I remember I, I saw I saw shot the back window. I couldn't believe I missed. That's what I saw. So when I pulled back and adjusted, Gaines did the exact same thing I did. I don't know if he was afraid of me or not. I don't think he was. <clears throat> but when he pointed the gun at me and straightened out cap you, I couldn't do anything. It's like somebody throwing a baseball at you. If you're, the ball's coming at 1,000 miles an hour, you kind of twinge and turn away from it a little bit, even if you're catching it. He did the same thing I did. When the first round went through the passenger door, he leaned to his left, turned to his left, but his right arm was staying stud where it was. So when I came back and recovered 1.8 seconds later, that's how long it took me to look at the back window and come back, 1.8 seconds, he was the gun was still pointing at me, and I raised back and pulled the, pulled up and raised the muzzle up and fired the second round. Uh, Pacific Dynamics was the company. Parks claims he ordered it done after the second shooting board. But Pacific Dynamics was a computer recreation facility that uh, Johnny Cochran used in the OJ case. Remember when they recreated OJ? They did, they did the exact same thing to me. They recreated them. They measured me. They measured him. They measured the truck. They measured my car, everything. And they put it in a computer, and it popped up. I got a copy of it. Uh, and it showed that, and again, Parks claims he ordered it, but it's funny that Cochran used it against the city in OJ trial. And uh, it showed that, yes, it was geometrically possible for me to shoot where I was. And I could be in one of three places. I could either be directly alongside of them, I could be slightly in front of him or slightly behind him. And whichever place I was would dictate where his body was. Because remember, they, they put rods through the bullet hole. And the bullet entered under his right arm, under his right arm, two inches. If his arm was down, that's what I told that's what I've been telling for years. Two inches above his right arm, his elbow. If his arm was where it was supposed to be, because they claim he never pointed a gun, he always carried his, he carried his gun on this floor, the floor under the seat. Uh, if his arm was where it was supposed to be, there'd be a hole in it. Because the entry was two inches above his right elbow and an upward trajectory slightly back to front. He went through his right lung, exited the right lung into the right ventricle, out the left atrium of his heart, into the left lung. It hit a rib on the left side of his left, left lung. It hit a rib on the left side of his arm and bounced back into the left lung. Uh, that's where the bullet landed, right? If his arm was where it was supposed to be, then he'd have a hole in it, and he didn't. And that's the trajectory. They know exactly where I was because of the entry in the front, in the center of the door. The bullet hole in the front of the door is, is from the front. So they know that I was exactly like I said. I bridged the gap four feet in front of them, came up over my shoulder backwards and fired the first round, and then adjusted and fired the second round. And uh, when they did the trajectory... The trajectory of the first round and the second round were identical, except for they're eight inches apart. The first round was eight inches lower than the second round. 
And I had I raised the barrel eight inches on the first round. I'd have killed them the first round. They were identical, complete trajectory. But in a pinch, I came up real quick, and as soon as I cleared the door, I fired around. So they knew exactly where I was. So they they played the tape. Uh, I forgot who described. I think Deepa Squell described the tape and what it showed. And um, that was a, this is the third board of rights or third board of shooting board. And then there was a brief pause, like a half hour delay, where they went back in back room someplace and came out and uh, concurred that yeah, it was uh, uh, uh in policy shooting. So that takes a year. You go to three shooting boards, and they finally rule that it was a good shoot. Right. That you're talking. This this is the first time in history of LAPD that they've taken somebody to three boards on the same shooting. So some of some of the best, or considered some of the best, homicide detectives in the in the world, arguably the country, which is LAPD's robbery homicide, tell everyone, or they release a report and says this is a good shoot. This is a good shooting. That is really the final point in all of this investigative stuff. It would have been way easier for the LAPD at that time to just indict Liga. It truly would have been the easier route. The media, Johnny Cochran, the Gaines family, Carl Douglas, and many officers wanted him hung out to dry. His whole life and career ruined. But investigators, robbery homicide investigators, considered the best of the best. They deemed the incident clean. Frank walks, continues his career, keeps the pension. Garcetti at this point, he doesn't want to acknowledge the RHD findings because if he does and something comes out later, politically it's bad for him, correct? Exactly, right. So what they... Jim Hunt had the same theory. And so what they now have left is basically what is the internal LAPD shooting boards. And secondly, is the civil, because you were never charged with anything, right? Correct. Not only was I not charged, I was sent back to work. I was allowed to go back to work. But I was not allowed to go back to FES. I was ordered to wait for, they wanted to bury me. Um, I had a good reputation in dope. I still, I still do. But I had a good reputation in dope and um, I could have went to two major teams. The surveillance team wanted me, the 440s, and the lab squad wanted me. And since I worked drugs, mostly drugs, I wanted to go to the lab. They tried to recruit me a few times to go to the, to the lab squad. And I, uh, I didn't go because I liked stay where I was in Hollywood but uh, now I, I took the lap squad so in June of 1997 98 June of 19, no June of 1997 I went to the lap squad in the major violence section with the thought that I'd be hidden from the public they would never see me but in October of 97 I did the first case of GHP in the state of California I'm kind of a magnet I'm kind of a magnet for trouble I mean I uh, to back up 
if we can back up for before before I went to Hollywood in 1998, the gang war started. Operation Hammer for Chief Park. Remember, there was a, there was a scene, a scene. There was an incident where an Asian woman was killed in Westwood Village, a rolling 60 crip on the on the east side of the street. Did the old gangster shoot and hit hit this woman in the head, killed her. I caught that guy that night. We didn't arrest him until the week following. I arrested him and took him to jail that night. I caught him and I let him go. They were, they were walking southbound. I was walking northbound at Westwood Boulevard. They were walking, him and his buddy were walking southbound. I saw him. They saw me. They tried to turn around. I grabbed him. They lied to me, gave me a fake ass information. I let him go. I walked back into uh, the crime scene, talked to a motor cop who's guarding the crime scene, get the information, and then I knew in my heart, I knew that was those guys. Three hours later, five movie theaters get out at 2 o'clock in the morning at the same time in Westwood Village. Five theaters get out, and all five theaters dump out into the street, and all the people are going through. I was standing in the corner watching. Guess who I see? The same two crooks. They've changed their haircut, turned their coats inside out. I ran over and grabbed them, bagged their hands, took them to the station, did the GCGSR test on them. And uh, the following Saturday, I went with Crash serve warrants on their house and he got convicted for murder for whatever it all was but i'm kind of a magnet and i'm kind of good at what i do for some reason i have uh some kind of an instinct where that i just knew these guys were in it. and that was in 98 or 88 rather when i was still in west l.a next time on the dossier Tyndall and the guy brought me in they called me up when my cocaine was stolen they were ia was all over me and uh, I got a phone call from a ramp task force guy and he tells me, he says, I need to interview you on a case. I says, well, what's it about? He says, I can't tell you. I says, well, I ain't coming. Call my lawyer. He goes, well, no, no, you don't understand. I says, look, I've been through this. For, they've been killing me for two years. I says, call my lawyer. I don't, I don't I need to deal with it. Uh, you, you, I, well, we need to talk to you. We need to talk to you. I says, well, all right. I says, what's it about? He says, I can't tell you. I says, well, I ain't coming. He goes, I says, let me guess. I says, is it about my cocaine? He goes, yeah. I said, well, all right, all right, I'll go. So they picked me up. We went to the secret place for the Rampart Task Force. And this is the first time I met Brian Tyndall. Um, they take me in a room, within a room, within a room, and say, sit down. So I go, okay. So I sit down. And a uh, guy's name was Mike Cohan that, I, that picked me up. And Brian comes in and closes the door. And I, I says, look, fellas, I said, not for nothing. I said, but I'm... I'm not saying anything. I says, not without my lawyer. I said, I've been through this. And Tyndall looks at me and goes, you don't know why you're here, do you? I says, yeah, because you're going to break my balls about stealing that cocaine. He goes, no. He says, we're here to fill you in on some stuff, he says. And so, all right. So he, he talks about, he says, uh, Ray Rafael Perez. He says, do you know Rafael Perez? I says, never heard of him. You don't know Rafael Perez? I says, no, I know Ray Perez. I says, but I, I never heard of Rafael Perez. He goes, well, what's Ray look like? I says, he's a Puerto Rican, more black than, than Mexican, but he's a Puerto Rican guy. He says he runs with, runs with the black guys. Well, what do you, who, would, who would he run with? Who follows him? I said to Tyndall, I says, nobody follows Perez. Perez is a follower. Mac is a leader. Perez will do anything Mac tells him to do, anytime, anyplace, anywhere. 